Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Um, I had said this as well this morning. I, I do need to say this again. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, chapter 8. Uh, th- th- these are some of the greatest sermons that Jesus preached. I mean, like, he, this is the beginning of his ministry. He preaches the Beatitudes. Uh, you know, he teaches... You know, where you say I for an I, I say love your enemies. I mean, these are some of the, 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 the revolutionary teachings that the world had never heard, had still never heard, are found right here in these chapters. But, but what's so ironic, I just love the Word of God. What's so ironic is in the midst of him teaching all these, these revolutionary teachings, these revolutionary thoughts, he really brings up the subject of fear of anxiety and worry in a way that I didn't even realize before, Jay, in some of these passages. And this morning, I'm going to connect last week's message to this week's message and lay about five or six chapters out there for you, and hopefully God will anoint me again and and, and help me lay that out there for you today so that it will bring transformation, growth in your life. Here's how it starts in chapter 6, very familiar. This is why I tell you, be anxious for nothing. This, This is why I tell you, don't worry about your everyday life. Now, now, how many of you are like, okay, like I love Jesus and I know Jesus loves me, but that is a pretty tall ask right out of the gate. Like, like how many of you already, you know, it's Sunday today, but I'm telling you, I'm already thinking about Monday. Thank you so much. I will go by my nose is running. Um, I'm already thinking about Monday. I'm, I'm already thinking about traveling and video shoots. I'm already thinking about staff on Tuesday. I'm already thinking about people that I have phone appointments with and counseling appointments with. I mean, I, I love you, Jesus, and I know you love me, but don't worry about your everyday life. I'm like, God, that's pretty tough. He said, don't worry about these little small things, whether you're going to have food enough to eat or things enough to drink or clothes enough to wear. Listen to this. Isn't your life more than food? Isn't your body more than clothes? And, and, and this is some of my favorite things that Jesus does. He uses these real world examples. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't store their food in barns. Yet your heavenly father makes sure they have everything they need. And he goes on to say, and aren't you of more value to God than the birds of the air? In other words, what he's saying in layman's term is if you're here, if you're alive, if you're breathing, you're not an accident. You were on purpose in the heart of God, in the mind of God, and God knew he was going to have to take care of you. He was going to have to provide for you. He's got you. And I know that's, I know that's hard, you know, because we... we we live in the West. We, we, we live in the get all you can, can all you get, you know, dog eat dog world. I got to look out for me. And yeah, I mean, we live in this world where we believe in grind and where we believe in hustle and where we believe in, you know, if I don't take care of me, nobody else will. And, and I get that. But again, God's kingdom and the kingdoms of this world are most of the time counterculture to one another. He goes on to say, can all of your worrying about, about these mundane things, these simple things in life. Can, can they add a single moment to your life? Why worry about these small things, about clothes and food and drink and what you're going to drive and can you keep up with the Joneses? Okay, I'm ad-lipping a little bit. He, he said, look at the lilies in the field. They don't work. They don't make their own clothing. But Solomon, King Solomon, in all of his glory, he was never arrayed, dressed as beautiful as the grass of the field. He says, and if God so cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the ovens tomorrow, don't you get it? He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith in this area? Why do you have so little trust in God in this area? He's got you. Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Don't let these dominate your thoughts. What will we wear? He says, these kind of thoughts dominate the thought processes of people that don't know God. And I said this this morning. I'm going to say this again with the help of the Holy Spirit. You can say I'm Christian. You you, you can say I'm a part of Oak Church. You, You can say I know God and still not know God. 
check this out. The, the, the Bible says that Adam knew Eve. Adam knew Eve. And she conceived. Intimacy always produces pregnancy. When you know God, it makes you pregnant with faith in God. When you know God intimately, I, I don't know about you. I don't know just what my grandmama said about you. I don't, I don't know what just my, my small group leader said about you, what the person at Step Study said you did in their life. I've seen you in the midnight hour. I've seen you move the mountain. I've seen you meet me in the valley. I've seen, I know you, I spent time with you. It produces a pregnancy. I know you got me, even when it all doesn't make logical sense, even, even when I don't have it all figured out, even when I don't have it all in the palm of my hand, even if I can't tell you how everything with Oaks Church or everything with mine and Brooks life, or I, I don't know how it's all going to go, but I know you got me, God. It's, it's tough, man. This, this is a tough passage of Scripture. You do understand, I'm not saying I got the market cornered on this. Here's what I'm saying is I've had four weeks to study this and I sound real good like I know what I'm talking about, right? But tomorrow morning, I'm going to be trying to walk this out like you're going to be trying to walk this out. Tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to be trying to live this out by the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, controlling my own thought life and my own emotions, just like I pray you are. I love this. I, I was praying this morning. My mind was filled with all kinds of things. <laughs> And it just, I was praying, it was first service, I was praying, and this scripture just hit me. Here's what he says, the answer is, seek first the kingdom of God. Just, just, just make, you, you got one priority. You ever seen that little meme on Instagram or on Facebook? You had one job. You had one job. This, this is God's meme. You had one job. Seek me first. All other things I'll add to you. I'll make your enemies be at peace with you. I'll make sure you got clothes to wear. I'll make sure your business grows. I'll make sure your family's fed. I'll make sure you got a future and a hope. I'll think thoughts of good towards you to direct. Just seek me first. It, isn't that so, Jesus? You're like, no, Jesus, look at this right here. And he's like, no, look at this right here. And you're like, no, Jesus, you don't understand. This right here. And he's like, no, this right here. And, and you're like, what does this have to do with this? And he's like, everything. You just can't see it. Father, my prayer, I think I already said it. I'm going to say it again. God, my, my prayer isn't for a pat on the back, isn't for uh, an attaboy. God, I came today. I love these people. I, I'm feeling better than I've felt in several days just being here with them. I know it's your presence, your anointing. I know your word's anointed. God, my hope today is that people would be encouraged. People's faith would be grown. People's trust would be deepened. These precious people's hope and belief in you, in your goodness, in your mercy, in your faithfulness, in your kindness to them and for them, God would go to a new place that it would bring freedom in their lives, transformation in their lives, growth in their lives. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen and amen. Would you love on Pastor Chad for me this morning? Let him know you love him. He's been up here a long time. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Again, we're talking about the topic of fear anxiety and worry fear anxiety and worry i want to mention something that i mentioned the last couple of weeks because it's important and we have some 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 guests here today that haven't been here in the weeks in the past you you do know god created us with emotions now i didn't do this first service but i'm gonna do it right now um brother joseph could i get a just an introduction from you to oaks church right now could you just stand up and just could you just just Huh? Oh, okay. I don't know who you are. I don't know who that guy is right there, but <laughs> yeah, can you give him the real deal? Yeah, that's okay. This, this, this I, and I'm not saying you got to run around saying hallelujah or woo, <laughs> but, but I'm saying that's this brother's go-to emotion. It don't matter if it's eight in the morning or eight at night. I mean, that's him. That's who he is. I am an emotional person. I, I really love, 
you know, being emotionally driven. But listen to me. Some of us have melancholy emotions. So, some of us have energetic emotions. So, some of us have deep thinking. Some of us have offense. Some of us, listen, emotions are given to all of us by God. In, in, in an emotional realm, it would be like this in a physical realm. If you put your hand over a burner of a stove, you have the sensation of warmth or heat or being burned to protect yourself from the danger of being burned. Emotions are given to us, not in a physical sense, but in an emotional sense, to put us in motion. We're all supposed to have emotions. What we're not supposed to do is be controlled by our emotions or let our emotions or our thought processes dominate us. Now, I've said it a couple of weeks. Nobody's giving me any flack, not shying away from because of that reason. I just... I just don't want to get in the habit of quoting Mike Tyson on Sunday morning. But Mike Tyson said there were no truer words. If you don't learn to control your thoughts and control your emotions, you will be a prisoner of your thoughts and your emotions all your life. And you, you have to decide, am I leading this with God's help, with God's word, with God's spirit, with wise counsel, with a sound mind, or... Am I being led by fear and trepidation, anxiety, worry, turmoil, disbelief, doubt, bitterness, hurt, pain? Doris Day made this statement, and and I quoted it a, a month or two back, complaint is poverty, gratitude is riches. In any time you begin to express an emotion or feeling of complaint, negativity, cynicalness, criticalness. And, and, and I'm not saying there does not have to be times in our life that people tell us the truth in love. Now, I've been working out, I'm not going deep in fit, I've been working out since I turned 40 years old in Rochester. I told Brooke, if Tim McGraw could do it, I can do it. <laughs> I said, I'm gonna be in the best shape of my life in my 40s. And Brooke, made me a promise if I got in the best shape of my life in my 40s. Now that's between me and Brooke, not between you and I and Brooke. And it took somebody when I was still 43 to say to me, do you work out still? I said, I work out five, four days a week. What? And they said, you ain't doing something right. Now, they didn't mean it bad, Uncle Jeff, but they t- somebody had to tell me the truth that, somebody had to tell me the truth. You, you, I'm not saying we don't need people in our lives that are willing to tell us the truth in love. But I'm telling you, if you spend your life being a cynical, negative, critical person of yourself, of your family, of others, you are bankrupting your own boat. I'm not saying you say everything's grand when it's not grand. But I'm saying if you learn to have gratitude even in the small things, if you learn to be grateful even when you're having to search for things to be grateful for, it will lead you to a life of riches. We have to watch these emotions. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We have to watch these thought processes. I'm I'm not saying sell out either way or the other and be oblivious to reality, but I am saying you have to keep a rational mind about where your thoughts and emotions are taking you. Emotions are meant to put you in motion. Let me just list three emotions today that that we want to talk about fear. It's a negative, short-lasting, high-alert emotion. Has has anybody ever felt fear like that before? Like like a negative, short-lasting, high-alert emotion that alerts us to danger. Listen to this statement, that it's either real or perceived. Real or perceived. I like using me as examples because, again, I can't get mad at me. If I use you and you don't want me to use you, um, you get mad at me. 
I have a very, 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 very dear friend here today. And he sent me a message early in the week and said, don't you dare mention me. Don't you dare call me out. Don't you dare make me talk in a microphone. But I'm not going to do that because I love him. He's my dear, 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 dear friend. So I want you to know this emotion of fear in one 17-hour car ride. It is taking God. You couldn't help me. I mean, I guess you could, but I probably wasn't honest with you enough to let you know what I was feeling, what I was going through. But in one 17-hour car ride from Rochester, Minnesota, where I pastored the largest church, you, you, you do know I'm human. You do know when, you, when you're a pastor, you're just like the owner of a bricklaying company. You're just like the owner of a dirt company, just like the owner of a real estate company, just like the owner of a transmit. I mean, you're just like anybody. You want to do well. You want to you have a great career, a great tenure. And, 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 and I went from drug addict to prison to the janitor to, to, to a pastor to pastor in a 3,000-member church in Rochester, Minnesota with staff members smarter than me and made the most money ever made in my life, could travel and write books and speak. I mean, it was lived in the nicest home. Everything was great. I'm telling you, everything was great. I love those people. I still love those people. It's the most wonderful season of my life. And then the Lord started dealing with Brooke. The Lord started dealing with me, and we started sensing that we were supposed to be using our gifting while God had done that and promoted us and blessed us that we were supposed to be using our gifting in Monroe. I've never been in Monroe in my life. Brooke would wake me, Brooke would come in and say, now, now listen, don't get mad. I don't care who you voted for for mayor. This has nothing to, Brooke would say, hey, they're rebuilding this new building in Monroe. And I'm like, what in the world has that got to do? She was like, they're going to revitalize Monroe. We're supposed to be a part of revitalizing Monroe. And, and then a week later, two weeks later, she would be like, Friday Ellis was elected mayor. He's going to bring change to Monroe. We're supposed to be a part of bringing change to Monroe. I'm, I'm like, Monroe, Lord, I want to suffer for you in Hawaii. <laughs> like, can I be a missionary in Alaska? I like bear hunting. Listen to me. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about my fear. I was, in my world, I was king of the mountain. I got a one 17-hour car ride. Tyler Cook, where are you at? Did you drive that rider truck, what Penske truck? Did you drive that sucker all 17 hours? And when we drove up at my barn dominium that I still live in today, two and a half years later, there was no power. There was no electricity. There was dirt on the floor. The house was not complete. We were fixing to have to move in with three kids to Todd and Angela's. I did not have a job. I did not have a life savings anymore. I'd done giving it to Oaks Church. I didn't have a staff. I didn't know where my kids were going to go to school. I, and I'm telling you, I started feeling fear like I had never felt fear before. Some of it was real because I was getting close to a, a burner that could really be dangerous. And then sometimes I would walk in restaurants or in businesses, coffee shops, and I would perceive things from people that weren't real. Just, just using me, right? Anxiety. It's an emotion characterized by the feeling of tension. How many of you are familiar with anxiety? How many of you have had a panic attack? You, how, how many of you tried to cope with that by, by self-medicating or by, or by trying to, you know, take some other uh, methodologies of, of, of easing the tension? They're, they're worried thoughts. And, and, and what that really stems from is, is that, oh, God, things are changing. They're, they're getting out of my control. Ch change is coming in my life. Physical change is coming in our family, in our finances, in, in our job, in our business, in my reputation, in our connections, whatever. And, and this anxiousness, I've been there. Worry. Let me, let me share another. How many professional worriers do I have in here? Professional worriers. I'm just making sure God sent me to talk to the right people. It's the thought process 
that mull something over and over. How, how many of you got a replay reel in your mind of some negative thing that happened to you? Of some dumb decision you made? Of some stupid comment you made? Of some shortcoming you did? And you just roll that over, over and over and over in your mind. This mulling it over only gives, listen to me, it's like, it's like gas and fire. The more you mull it over, guess what it increases? More fear and more anxiety. It, it just keeps it going. Keeps it going. Sir, sir, where you been? I needed, I, I'm a hollerback preacher. I do better if you talk to me. That's I needed you over here. Thank you for bringing him this morning. God would never call us, listen to me, God would never call us, he, he makes this statement, anybody ever heard it? Be anxious for nothing. He, he says it at the very beginning of this passage in, in Matthew chapter 6. This is why I tell you, don't be overcome with worry. Don't be over-worrying. He says this, God would never say this to us if it wasn't a battle worth fighting and if victory wasn't possible. That's not how God is. God is not a cruel taskmaster. God doesn't say to the woman, forgive me, caught in adultery, hey, don't go sin anymore. If he understands she's incapable of ever living in purity, if he understands she's incapable of ever living in victory, no, Jesus shows up at the scene, woman caught in adultery, we're just using her as a metaphor, has nothing to do with adultery or sexual immorality or sexual sin in anybody's lives here, just pointing out the fact that when Jesus addresses this woman, they're getting ready to stone her, he writes something in the ground. Whatever he writes is so convicting, so compelling, everybody drops their stones. They said, okay, we're leaving the stone ends. He looks at her and says, listen, this is the dispensation of grace. I came to seek and save that which was lost. There will be a time of accountability. There will be a time of judgment. But the reason I'm here right now is to extend God's mercy. For the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I don't condemn you. Side note, but don't go sin no more. <laughs> He, he's just saying, if you hit your hand with a hammer, <laughs> dummy, and you do it again, it still hurts. That's, that's, that's all he's trying to say. He's just saying, hey, go not do this anymore. And then she can't not do it. No, he's not doing it. He's not just putting more weight in the wagon. There's some wagon she can't carry, and so he's just adding more. No, that's what religion does. Religion weighs people down with burdens that they can't carry. Jesus just says victory is possible. When he says don't be anxious for anything, he's saying victory is possible. This is a battle worth fighting. And I can show you from Matthew chapter 8, one of the most masterpieces of messages, sermons that Jesus ever preached, where he literally touches on every human need that we have to prove this point. We're all worried about these things. Now, number three, they're, they're going to throw this up here. This, this first talking point today is number three. If you wasn't here last week, I'll mention those in a second. My anxiety is related to my trust level in God. Jesus didn't say don't be anxious as a slogan to make you feel better. Like, we have a slogan here. Leave, leave that up, please, media booth. We have a slogan here. Does anybody know what some of them are? They're going to be all over the new building on the walls. Deep roots, new heights. Where does that come from? Jeremiah. Put roots downward, bear fruit upwards. Most of us want to bear fruit, but we don't want to put roots. That's, that's, that's not how it works. You have to put roots down to bear fruits up. We have another one. Preach truth. <laughs> Understand we all need grace. <laughs> I can't change the message. I got to preach the message. I'm going to preach it in love. But I know I need grace, and I know you need grace. Preach truth, give grace. 
We've got another one. It used to be written on the back wall of the church I say that I grew up in, the, the only church where I came to the Lord in, Shreveport Community Church, Pastor Dinner Durant. It was written on the back wall. His daddy put it on the wall. It was there for 100 years. The best is yet to come. When you see those shirts that say an acronym, stand up, please, ma'am. Miss Rana, stand up, turn around. The best is yet to come. Those are some of our slogans. Those are positive. The best is yet to come. Well, I went through a divorce. The best is yet to come. Well, I lost my job. The best is yet to come. Well, she stabbed me in the back. The best is yet to come. But I want you to know when he says, don't be anxious, he's not just trying to give you some positive thinking. He's telling you that this is really real. There's, there is the possibility of being free from this kind of anxiety. My anxiety is related to my trust level in God. Watch this. When he begins to walk through, just leave it on the screens, media booth. I know we don't usually do that. Just, just leave it up there today. And you know, if this is your first time here, I never sat at a table. I'm just not feeling the best. Nose is running. And so I'm trying to, trying to make sure I get this out today without passing out. When you go through Matthew 8 and you go through Matthew 9, Jesus, right out of Matthew 6 and right out of 7, where he talks about all these things that bring us fear and anxiety, he touches every element, every aspect of our humanity. Watch this. All the troubles we face today, all the sorrows we face today, and he's trying to show us something. Okay, so in Matthew 8, verses 1 and 3, we see the ostracized leper who's going to die in obscurity. In verses 5 through 13, the next verses... We see the centurion ruler who's about to have a death of his loved servant. In verses 14 and 15, we see the physical discomfort of Peter's mother-in-law. In verses 16 and 17, we see the spiritual oppression of many people that are suffering with demons and demonic oppression. Then in verses 18 through 22, we see the scribes struggling with if he can really pay the price to follow Jesus because of his own financial security. Then we see the people that are in the boat, the disciples crossing over to the region of, of the Gadarenes, of the Decapolis, and they're worried about their physical safety. Then we see the spiritual warfare taking place in verses 28 through 34 with the two demon-possessed men in the tombs of Gadir. Then we see in verses 9 through 13 in chapter 9, that Jesus is hanging out with sinners, and they're eating, and they're drinking, and, and, and Jesus isn't worried about the loss of his reputation, but all the people that are hanging with him are worried because they're like, oh God, we're losing our status. We, woo, he, we thought he was the savior of the world, but the things that he's doing are so unconventional, we're losing face in the eyesight of other people. Then we see the ruler of the synagogue whose daughter, Jairus, is dying. And then we see the permanent disability of the two blind men, 10 of them, all that follow after these teachings on anxiety. And they're crying out, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Heal my blinded eyes so that I can see. Now, the reason I took the time to go through all 10 of those today is, is you may not have all 10 of those happening in your life, but here's what I'm smart enough to know about being human. You have some of those or one of those or many of those financial security, ostracization, reputation, family, children. You've got some of that going on in your life right now, and it brings anxiety. It brings fear. It brings worry. And Jesus goes through all of these examples on purpose. You want to know why? He's saying all these things are what keep you up at night. Jesus was saying to the disciples and also to us if we look a little deeper, all of these things in life, Ryan, may be out of your control, but they're not out of my control. You may not have the power to change them, but I do. We often all live our lives under the illusion that we're in control. What Jesus is trying to tell us here, guys, is if you're not a part of me, you can do nothing. 
this power that he has is still available for us today. What, 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 Pastor, you've stirred me up. You've shared a lot. What, what's the action? What's the step? Okay, it's very simple. Here it is. God is calling all of us. He's showing us masterfully that we can overcome fear in our life, anxiety in our life, worry in our life by keeping our trust in him through all of the trials. Keep, keep, keeping our trust in him. What, what, what does trust mean? You, you know, and the reason, if I just stopped right there, honestly, if I just said, you, you know what, I, I'm going to slow it down for a minute and talk to you about trust. Here, here's the dangerous thing about the Western world or the Western church or the American church. If I just say, keep your trust in him, you, you think trust means whatever trust means to you. If, if, if I say, stand up and praise the Lord, you, you just, you just, Think praise means whatever you think praise means. <laughs> now to some, <laughs> that may mean sit there like this, talking to the Lord in their hearts. I was in the, I was in the North Country. I was with some godly people, but they were stoic. They weren't, they weren't expressive. They weren't, uh, you know, emotional. But let me tell you, they were good people. They were good people. I've also been in the South, and you say, praise the Lord. And somebody goes, ah! And then they get in the car, and they cuss out their kids before they get to Wendy's. <laughs> we're emotional people. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm here for both of them. I love you, both of you. We take all people at Oaks Church. <laughs> you got to understand what trust means. Okay? In, in, in the New Testament, Koinonia Greek, trust literally is the word pistis. Now, I know you think I just cussed in church, but I didn't. I do like saying it because it sounds like I'm cussing a little bit, a little edgy, pistis. But... I'm not. It's a Greek word. It's what, it's, it's what we say for faith. Faith. Trust. Faith literally means to trust in, rely on, and adhere to. It's, it's, it's three different steps, three different dimensions, three different elements. So I'm going to express some pistis, faith, or trust in this chair. Number one, I'm looking at it. And I trust that if I sit in it, it'll hold me. Do you have that for God? Do, do you have the trust that if you're not in the driver's seat and he is, he can hold you? Okay. So here's the first part. I trust in it. Well, then doubt got me and I was like, well, that sucker was rickety. I heard it cricking a little bit. It was about to fall. That's what most of us do. We come to church. The preacher been studying for four weeks on this. It sounds good. Chad was anointed. The worship was to the heavens. The place was packed. People were friendly. Whoo, I'm ready to make a decision. I'm trusting in God. <laughs> About two o'clock this afternoon, you hear a little crick. <laughs> I said, whoo, I don't know if I, I trust him, but I can't rely on it. I got to take it back. <laughs> I got I need to be in charge. Okay, I didn't know he was going to call this afternoon. She was going to call. You know what? I got this right now, God. Let me handle this. Is, is everybody getting it? Yeah. I look at it and I say, man, I, I trust in this, God. And I don't care if it makes noise rickety. I'm relying on you. Anybody ever, anybody ever read Acts 17? Paul said, y'all bunch of idiots. I told you not to take this trip. <laughs> we ain't seen daylight. We done thrown over all the food. <laughs> the ship is being torn to pieces. But an angel of God stood by me last night, and he said, we can ride these broken pieces 
to the shore and all stay alive. I don't care if the wind starts beating it, battering it, if it breaks in pieces, I can ride these broken pieces to the seashore of safety. I trust in it, I rely on it, and then here's the tough one, adhere to. Anybody know what the word adhere means? It's like duct tape. It's like gorilla glue. It's, tell me, it's like Velcro. I'm adhere, I'm trusting in you, I'm relying on you, and right now, I really want to get out and throat punch him. Right? Right now, I really want to take matters into my, right now, I, my mind, my emotions are telling me that I need to do something different, but I'm going to stay adhered to you. Trust in, rely on, and adhere to. My anxiety is related to my trust level. I don't say my because I want you claiming it. I don't want you saying my COVID. I don't want you saying my, I, I don't even want to say my sickness. I don't even want to say my temperature was 101 degrees. No. Don't claim that stuff. My marriage is falling apart. Heck no. Our finances are going to, I'm not saying be a dummy and go spend money you don't have. But don't, don't claim, don't, I'm not wanting you to claim this anxiety. I'm just smart enough to know the world brings anxious thoughts into our life. It, it's, it's what, it's a trap of the enemy. Steal, kill, destroy. If he can't get you with a bag of cocaine anymore, he'll make you miserable with anxiety. If, if he can't get you to having an affair, he'll make you worry yourself to death trying to please other people. I mean, he, st he, he still wants to kill you. He still wants to destroy you. God wants you to have salvation. And I don't mean salvation like one day you get a new body, you live in heaven. I'm talking about God wants you to have peace, rest, salvation from all of this stuff. It's a different kingdom. It's a different world. Now, I'm not talking about kingdom now theology like there's no heaven. I'm just saying you can experience the kingdom of God now. You can operate from a place of rest and peace now. Number four, put this up here, please. My anxiety, when I sent this in to Miss Kaylee, she rebuttaled me. She said, Pastor, she was so nice. She was like, ah, yeah, okay, got everything done for Sunday, got the notes, everything ready. She said, but oh, if I could make one suggestion, can we please not say my anxiety? I like it my sermon. I'm going to say what I want to say. <laughs> no, no. I, just, I said, no, I did it on purpose because this is how people think. L listen to what I'm saying. My anxiety is best redirected or redirected best by compassionately serving others. So check this out. Aubrey, I'm going to use you because you're a Bible thumper too and a Bible scholar and a Bible college graduate. How do I overcome my fear of anxiety and worry? One way, I got to work on my trust that God's got me. God's got us. It doesn't mean I don't go to work. Doesn't mean I don't pay my light bill. Here's what the Bible says. The war horse is prepared for the day of battle. Anybody ever read 1 Chronicles 20? He said, get up, go out there, put all your battle clothes on, get your horses, get your chariots. He said, but don't do a thing because the victory is going to be from the Lord, but you got to show up. You don't have to fight the battle. You just got to report to the battle. The victories of the Lord. The war horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory is from the Lord. You work like it all depends on you. You pray and believe like it all depends on God. Don't be lazy. Don't have a self, don't have an entitled mindset. Don't have a, somebody else is going to fix this for me. You do your part and trust me, God will do his part. You get your trust where it needs to be that God's got me. God's got our marriage. God's got our finances. God's got our kids. God's got our future. God's got our family. You get that where it needs to be that God knows what he's doing. None of this caught him by surprise. You ready, Aubrey? All of a sudden, he gets to chapter 9. And it says, Jesus traveled through all of the towns and the villages in that area. He's teaching in the synagogues. He's announcing 
this revolutionary message. We call it the gospel. It's the good news of the kingdom of God. He healed every kind of disease, every kind of illness. The crowds grew so immensely. He had compassion on them. He would even help them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You ready for this? And this is the part that I pray Oaks Church never forgets. Wasn't about how many services, wasn't about how great the worship was, wasn't, a great, wasn't about how great the message was, what, what, wasn't about what events, wasn't, wasn't about any of the programs. Wasn't about, he said to his disciples, you got all this anxiety, you're worried about what the Gentiles are worried about. He said, listen, your values are wrong. Let's change your values to God's values. You just got to remember God is faithful. You don't know how to factor in the grace and the faithfulness of God into your future, but he's always been faithful. He's faithful to you now. He's going to be faithful tomorrow. Get your trust in God where it needs to be. And then he looks at his disciples as the ministry's growing, and he says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And Jesus called all of his disciples together, and he said, now I'm taking this anointing, I'm taking this ministry, I'm taking this message that I have, and I'm placing it on you. Get out there and do what I have done. Anxiety is best redirected when you get the focus off of you and on to the reason God saved you. To reach somebody else. To reach somebody else. We say it like this. He did it to you to get it through you. He, 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 he gave me my John Skipworth story so that every recovery home in this city would feel welcome to come to church here. He did it, he did it to me to get it through me. But I am not the only color crayon in God's crayon box. You, you ever seen that 64 color crayon pack you got to buy your kids? They got colors in there. I can't, I never, we didn't have them when I was a kid. We had like yellow, green, blue, orange. They got all kinds of colors in there. Man, God did it to Todd Hibbert to get it through Todd Hibbert. God did it to Rhonda Brown to get it through. God did it to Chad Parker to get it through Chad Parker. God did it to Joseph Carl. God did it to Alan Green to get it through Alan Green. God did it to Jeff Edwards to, through Charles Brown. It just, your unique story, your unique role, your unique calling, your unique journey in life is God's display, it's the variety of his grace to someone else that's in your shoes. Now, I said this earlier, and I'm going to be very careful how I say it. I, uh, I was a part once of pastoring a church that became self-centered and self-focused, and it tore it apart. If you make the mistake of allowing your life to be all about you, it will shipwreck your boat. If you allow this church to become so, what is she wearing? Who is she with? Who is he dating? How are they living? Did they tithe? Did they give? Did they serve? Did they show up? If you allow that spirit to become the predominant spirit of why we exist, it will destroy this church. But at the same time, if you remember that he called you, to reach the next person and to love the next lost soul and to see them come to the kingdom of God, it will pay more reward for this church than you could ever dream or imagine. Now check this out, check this out. It will also bring peace and rest inside of you like you've never known before. When you give your life for him, he will give you life that you've never had. That's how it works. When you make it about, can I buy it? Can I put it together? Can I connect it? Can I fix it? Can I run it? You'll always have to be the cook in the kitchen. When you just show up and say, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to reach? How do you want me to live? Who do you want me to go after today? And let him do all that other stuff. You can operate from a place of rest and peace and trust 
that will obliterate anxiety in your life. Share a couple of thoughts here. Pastor Chad, would you please come? I did it. I finally did it. Only took four tries. I finally got us out on time. Only took four tries on the one that it don't matter if we end on time or not. But I finally did it. Fear, anxiety, and worry always cause us to focus on ourselves. They're inward, they're self-focusing, and they're crippling. Jesus teaches us that worrying accomplishes nothing. A consistent theme throughout the gospel is the call to care for those in need and to share the good news of what Jesus has done for us. He doesn't just want you to trust him. He wants you to help other people trust him. Because the thought patterns of fear and anxiety keep all the focus on us, refocus in our mind and our actions towards serving others makes a major impact on how we deal with anxiety. Anxiety brings paralysis it brings isolations it brings doubt it's cancer your battle with fear anxiety and worry hasn't caused god to give up on you he's given you a life of purpose he said it in jeremiah 29 and 11 i created you in your mother's womb i knit you together in the lowest part of the earth I think thoughts of good towards you. I love the way the King James Version says this one. He says, and it is my desire to bring you to an expected end. Now, this blows my mind about God. The Bible says that God wrote your story from the end to the beginning. We read books from the first chapter to the last chapter, from the left side of the page to the right side of the page. God reads the book from the last chapter to the first chapter. God's dyslexic, just like me. <laughs> no wonder. I, I start writing a sermon. I write the end before I write the beginning. I knew I was like God. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I said like, Aubrey. I said like. <laughs> Here's the action step. <clears throat> God calls me to overcome anxiety by keeping my focus on serving other people. Serving other people. You know, kindness is free. Kindness don't cost you anything. Kindness will change the world. It'll change someone else's world. I I think about this teaching all the time, and and I said this earlier, I kind of missaid it, but I'm gonna clarify it now. like, I used to struggle with that whole uh, do good to those who persecute you thing. Like, I'll be honest. Does anybody else still struggle with that a little bit? Bless those who curse you. I'm like, I know curse words you ain't never even heard. You curse me, I'm going to curse you back. I'm going to tell a funny on Pastor Rhonda. Does not involve cursing. Pastor Rhonda sent me a message this week, and she said somebody did something dirty to us, in a sense, and pulled the rug out from under us on an event. And she kind of bowed her back, and I kind of bowed my back, and we've. And about three hours later, the Holy Spirit got the best of me, and I said, "Bless them people, bless that lady. Don't worry about it. God's got something better for us. Move on. Let's do something different." And she said, "I." I she said, "You do know if we wasn't a church, I'd already give her a dose of her own medicine." <laughs> didn't you say that I said oh I know trust me (laughs) I really struggle with that bless those that curse you pray for those who spitefully use it I I really Jesus says hey give to those who you know ain't gonna give it back what Chad says hey man can I borrow $500 of course I'm gonna give it Chad no he's gonna give it back I probably wouldn't even ask for it back but I knew he would you, you know, and Jesus said, this, 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 I felt good about loaning him $500. And then, and then Jesus says, what have you done? The Gentiles do that. You're supposed to give it somebody you know can't give it back. I'm like, oh my Lord, Jesus. 
serving other people, being kind to other people, it can change the world. Listen to me, it can change their world, but you want me to tell you whose world it'll really change? Yours. So back during that first year season when I felt like I was a pinball, real or perceived, misunderstood, planting oaks, church, do, don't, should we, can we, oh my Lord. Good thing for Brooke. All I know is good thing for Brooke. The hardest lesson I ever fought was having to learn to let God fight my battle. And, 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 and I felt like, I, I said, well, I'm such a good speaker. I can explain. I'm so thorough. I'm so detailed. I was like, I could, I could fi- if I could just have one conversation, if I could just get these people together in a room, if I could just, I could fix it all and, and I could explain it. And Brooke was like, no, you couldn't. It wouldn't work. It, that's not how it works. She's like, let God fix it. Let God fight it. Let, let, let God. I said, what do I do? She said, keep your mouth shut. Yeah, you you want to know why I wasn't on social media the first two years at all of planting this church? On purpose, a year, because I didn't have nothing to say. Just let God. And then one day, I got a phone call driving down the road. And that whole, I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. I got a phone call, and I felt like this. I don't even smoke cigars, and I ain't saying you should. I felt like I was just... I was like, I felt like Arnold Schwarzenegger out of the Terminator, son. I was like, the Lord done fixed. He done prepared a table for me in the press. I got a phone call that said, I know this. I know this. I see this. I understand this. I get this now. You need to do this. This is what you, and I was like, if I'd have opened my big mouth, if I'd have fought this fight in my own strength, none of that would have ever worked out that way. You know what I did? You know what I did when I'd get flat? I say, can I buy you lunch? <laughs> you know what I do when I get flack? I say, you want to come to Oaks Church? I invite you to sit on the front row right next to Brooke and I. You know what I did? I drove across town and gave people checks. You know what I did? I said, I understand you're in a bad place and you're, you're, you're hurt right now. And I, I just, my, I, I'm offering help to you. What can I, could we pay for counseling for you? Could, could, I mean, what can we do? What, if, if I have wronged you or you feel I've wronged you, I am sorry. That's what I did. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I did it. Served them. Guess who won? Yeah. God won. The kingdom of God won. Kingdom of God won. People got loved on. People got encouraged. Forgiveness got given. Restoration was able to happen. The kingdom of God moved on. More people are reached. Churches are growing. That's a win. It it, it wasn't about my side or your side or their side or his side. It was about his side, right? It's it's about God's side. You serve other people, man. Love other people. Be kind to other people. You say, well, I don't like the way they dress. I don't like the way they talk. I don't, you know, you got to get off all that. Serve other people. And when you do, it'll give you something back in you that you don't have. When you stay focused and anxious and worried and fearful about all that other stuff, enemies robbing you of your peace. 